Welcome back, everybody. This is Phil, and you're listening to the Mile You're In podcast. I know it's been a long time since I did an episode. I apologize. I know I promised to do this weekly or even bi-weekly. Life has just gotten a little hectic, which I'm sure all of you can understand right now with what what's going on this is just crazy but because of that i found a little more time to to get active with the website and the podcast so here i am today i'm interviewing a good friend of mine canadian olympic athlete and national team sprinter kamika bingham who i uh, met back in like 2015 one of the first athletes I was able to interview for the website. And as she was training and preparing for the 2016 Rio Olympics, her team actually came down to Orlando to train at the ESPN Center, which was the same weekend that I was running the uh, Disney Marathon. So I got the opportunity to meet her, uh, which was really cool, real humbled person, real positive and encouraging attitude and mindset. Um, So over the years that I've gotten to know her, we've become pretty good friends. We encourage each other in our running. And what was really cool was that after she got back from the Olympics, she signed one of her bibs from Rio and actually sent it to me. So it's it's pretty cool. Something I have hanging up on my wall is motivation Uh, on, on times I'm feeling down with running, especially right now with, you know, races getting canceled and other races up in the air. It's just, um... It's a tough time for 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 everyone, um, especially athletes who are training and putting in time and effort for stuff. So, my heart goes out to all of you guys. The best thing we can do is just keep training and and try our best to stay ready. So, I want to welcome Kamika to the podcast. And um, to start out, I'd I'd really like to know what the biggest takeaway was from making the 2016 Olympic team that you're now applying. Uh, this time around for qualifiers? Um, I would say that the biggest takeaway that I'm making from the 2016 Olympics to the Tokyo 2021, since they've been officially postponed a year, um, is definitely just to be more in the moment and really try to appreciate it. I think for me, I tend to be an overthinker and I tend to you know, think about all the external factors that have hindered me from being in the best possible position. So for me, that was being injured uh, before Olympic trials and trying to come back from that. And um, I would also say just for my qualifier round, I would want to just be completely fearless and really just uh, try not to think about the doubts and the fears of, oh, what if I make a mistake or what if I mess up? What if I don't execute my race and try to just go in and really be fearless and um, just leave everything on the track, to be honest. I just want to leave everything on the track. And if I can do that and really be in the moment and really appreciate the moment for what it is and where I'm at at that moment, I'd be really, really grateful. And and I think that's a great point because uh, for all of us, uh, I know I've had some of my better races and performances when I just went out there to have fun and just said, you know what, whatever happens, happens. You know, you still have those goals in the back of your mind uh, and your heart is still chasing certain dreams. But it, it, there there comes the point where it, it becomes so stressful and overbearing that 
if you don't let that go, it, it, it can have a negative effect on you. So I definitely liked the run fearless attitude uh, mind frame because I feel like sometimes that's what you need is just to say, you know what, I'm going to go all out, give it all I got, and whatever happens, happens. At least I know I gave it my best shot. So what would you say is the biggest challenge between managing your personal life and training for the Olympics? Um, <laughs> the biggest challenge I would say with managing personal life and training is finding balance. I think being an athlete, you tend to really obsess about your craft and it tends to be your all. And the thing is, the problem with a lot of us athletes is that we tie our performances and how we're doing athletically to our identity. And I think that is one of the biggest things that us athletes that really affect our personal lives, to be honest, a lot of us, you know, depending on how we're doing and how we're performing in the athlete world and our sport individually or on a team, we tend to carry that into our personal lives. And for me, I think just uh, trying to find that balance and really trying to make sure that I remind myself I am who I am, not because I do sports. Sports is just something that I do. So for me, I think really just trying to separate and also like doing the little self-care things. For me, I have to do a little self-care for just like for stuff for me for to do like athletically and then stuff for me to just do personally. I think it's really important to try to separate the two and make sure that you have self-care routines on both ends so that you know your personal life isn't affecting how you do your performance or anything of that sort and performance isn't affecting your personal life it's really important to create that separation and I think um, finding that healthy balance and for me writing stuff down like journaling and reflecting and getting things out tend to help me to get it out so it doesn't bleed over and and those are good points because whether you're an athlete whether you're going to school pursuing your career or whether you're in your career and, and you're going to work every day doing the best you can, things are going to happen. Um, you know, even right now, you know, as someone who's thankfully able to work from home, I have to find ways to separate the two because work has become very stressful uh, and in ways it's affected my personal life, not just my running, but you know, the way I interact with other people, it, it's caused stress and anxiety and frustration and depression. And in return, I can't take that and then, you know, take it out on customers. I can't take it out on, on people at work. So you have to find that balance. You have to be able to separate the two and, and, you know, keep one from affecting the other. I mean, if it does it in a positive way, that's great. But being able to find that balance is, is really good and it's something to strive for so if you can describe the moment when you officially made the team how did you feel what were you feeling if I was gonna be honest I wasn't happy and it's crazy to say because you know this was my dream this was you know like supposed to be the biggest thing in my life and for me I wasn't happy because I had this expectation of how I wanted my Olympic trials to go and it didn't go that way and for me um, making the team I made it for the 4x1 relay automatically but I didn't make it automatically for the 100 just because I had finished fourth I 
had placed outside of that top three, even though I was the defending national champion the year before. Um, I had tore the cartilage in my knee four months prior to Olympic trials, and it really affected my preparation going into Olympic trials. And for me, placing and having an automatic spot in the 100, that was something that I really dreamed of, and I really wanted that moment. And I didn't get that moment until, you know, I had my time trial one week before the actual Olympic game event for the 100 meters. So yeah, um, it was one of those things where I tried to really be appreciative because I knew that there were people that, you know, were devastated, that had their dreams crushed, that would have loved to have made the team. And so I really tried to be appreciative. But deep down, it was a it was a really tough time for me. And um, yeah, it just wasn't one of those things where I was crying over the moon in ecstatic and joy. It was one of those things where it was, you know, I'm trying to be very internally grateful, but it was just one of those things. And that's something that I really love about you and other athletes that are real humble uh, and understanding of the situations and, and things that are out of your control. You know, sometimes it's an injury or it's just a bad day. It's an off day. You know, you've put in the work, you gave it your all. And sometimes things just don't go the way you expected, but you're still grateful for the opportunities that you have. And that's something that I try to, I try to remember things just don't always go my way as they don't for, for everybody. And you just have to, you have to overcome that and just keep trying. You never know what's going to happen because if you just quit, then you have no second chance or third chance. You got to keep pursuing. So what is it like when you step on the track before your races? What do you go through mentally, physically? What's it like in such a competitive, a highly competitive atmosphere? Honestly, this is a feeling that it's really hard to describe because it's different for everybody. But for me, it's, you know, I really try to control my breathing and I really try to just stay in as tune, like in tune with myself because you'll get lost with the crowd you'll get lost with the whole environment of it you'll get lost and distracted with the athletes that you're competing against but you know honestly it just feels like your heart is beating you feel butterflies you feel a bit of nervousness and anxiousness because you want to compete you want to compete well but obviously you're nervous because it's just the fact of competing and you have this one moment and for me my race is so short I have you know 11 10 seconds to to do and run my fastest I can so it's definitely for me just trying to slow myself down uh because everything gets really like just it's like taking five Red Bulls (laughs) and then trying to tell yourself to relax that's what it feels like that actually reminds me of uh when I was trying to break 20 minutes in a 5k for a long time I started taking all these like high caffeine products at the same time before the race. And my heart was beating insanely fast. Uh, and it wasn't helping. It really didn't do anything for me. So it was like, what a waste. I was putting all this stuff in my body to, to run faster. And uh, I mean, eventually I got the goal, but I don't think it was any of that. I think it was just the training and persistent uh, goal chasing that got me there. But I can't imagine like what that's like, because when I compete, if anything... I'm I'm aiming for top three in my age group. I know I'm not going to win these races, so I can't imagine competing against the t- you know the best in the world. What that's like. Going back to the 2016 Olympics, 
what lesson or lessons did you take um, from the first race into your second race? Um, well, think, actually, what really helped me was having a 24-hour rule. So when I did the qualifiers, for me, it was just a miracle that I was able to step to the line. Just getting to the line was a miracle in itself because originally I wasn't supposed to be able to do that. And by the grace of God, you know, I was able to end up actually being at the 100-meter line. And I didn't perform as well as I would like to have. And I was disappointed, of course. Um, and I gave myself 24 hours. And I said, you can be upset. You can talk to whoever. You can be, you can cry. You can be angry. You can, you know, blame whoever you want to you feel the need to blame, just get it out your system. And then after 24 hours, you have to be over it and you have to just move on. And for me, moving on became the relay. And at that point, you have to remember, okay, that race is done. There's nothing that I can do about it. I can only control what I can control. And what I wanted to do was just leave it all on the track. And I was able to anchor the women's relay, the Canadian team, to the finals. And the time that I ran was a time that no Canadian history has ever ran. And for us to get in the finals by thousands of a second was like a miraculous thing for me to just celebrate that with my teammates because it has been a, a long time before Canada has been in the Olympic finals, you know, since like the 1980s. And um, I think for me, really separating and letting go those emotions of what didn't happen in the first race and just giving myself those 24 hours to actually soak in it and then be able to move on healthily for me really helped me in my second race. Yeah, and I remember following along as much as I could with the limited broadcasting that they do for a lot of events. But I remember watching that final and uh, my wife was with me and she was she was focusing on uh, the, you know, the U.S. and Jamaican teams battling it out. And I was watching in, in the mid to backpack, like I was watching you, your race. I was watching you guys and I was like, man, I, at this point, they're not going to get first or second. But man, it would be so cool if they could get third. Uh, but it was still inspiring to watch the four of you push and compete against the best in the world and still have that just great attitude at the end of the race. Because I know you were disappointed in and the outcome, but you still represented your country country and your fans and your followers and, and just people that look up to you, including myself. Um, so I know it's been delayed, but what would it mean to qualify again this time for Tokyo? Oh, man, it would mean the world uh, to qualify again for Tokyo. You know, I think... Olympics, like the real Olympics for me was an experience games, you know, um, this time for Tokyo 2020, which was supposed to be this year, you know, I would be turning 26 and, but now that it's postponed to 2021, I would be turning 27. So I am like in the peak of, um, like I'm in, I'm in my peak for sprinters. So for female sprinters, you know, our peak tends to be in our mid to late 20s, and I'd be just starting to get into my peak pretty much. So it would mean the world to me because this game is an all business game. You know, this game is okay. The first one was experience, overcoming an injury, just kind of understanding of what it is like and just getting that under your belt. And Tokyo for me is all business. This is about really being able to make a name for myself in the sport and 
you know, making it through the rounds and getting to the finals and, and, and make and getting a medal for Team Canada. Definitely. And and since I've gotten to know you over the years, I know how much that would mean uh, to you, your family, your teammates, your country. Um, you know, that it's I can't even imagine what that would be like. Um, nothing I've done, the best of my accomplishments could never touch something like that. So I can only imagine what it would feel like uh, to accomplish that that goal. Uh, I know you've been dealing with a lot even since then. Uh, so this could be a wide, wide range of answers here. But uh, what's been the biggest hurdle uh, during your training for, for the Tokyo Olympics? Uh, injury for me has been my nightmare. The thing is... Um, since 2015, I've probably experienced an injury almost every single year, including this year. So this year has been really, really tough because I haven't really been able to have as consistent training as I would like. Um, in the beginning, training was going really, really well. And it, and it was kind of like God just showed me a glimpse of what he's doing. And then my calf, I had like a lot of inflammation in my calf Achilles area and it was just really, really difficult to have something repeat itself in a different way over and over and over again. And for me, it's like this injury just keeps daunting over me where it's like, man, like, am I ever going to be healthy? And, you know, am I going to really have an opportunity to see where I am without any restrictions? So for me, that has really been a biggest hurdle and it's affected my mental but with this postponement, it definitely takes off some of the stress and the anxiety surrounding it because I have a lot more time to get ready and I can really take the time to get myself to be fully healed and do all the little things and make sure to understand my body in a different way so that I know how to prevent something like this happening again. And I I definitely can understand that because from someone who I've I haven't really dealt with a lot of injuries, but uh, the two that I have kept me out for like a two to four week period, which, uh, you know, I was able to overcome. But like you said, there's there's a mental aspect of it Uh, for me. Not being able to get out and run um, was was stressful. And there were times where I would see other people running as I was driving to a doctor's appointment or driving to work or from work. And I'd, I'd start to cry, to be honest, because the sport is that much. It means that much to me. And I can only imagine an injury taking away an opportunity for something as big as the Olympics uh, being even more stressful and, and frustrating. Um, but like I mentioned to you and you brought up, I think in a way, this is a blessing in disguise because it's going to give you more time to just prepare, get stronger, get re- get more ready. Uh, and I think it could actually be a bigger benefit because hopefully all goes well and you won't deal with another injury in 2021 and you'll be fresh and, and ready to go. Uh, I know you touched on it a little bit uh, previously, but can you describe a little bit more what it would feel like uh, if you were to podium at the Olympics, uh, whether it's Tokyo or, or somewhere down the line at one of the future Olympics. But what what would it feel like to, to podium? 
Um, I would cry like a baby if I made the podium at the Olympics. This is something that I've dreamed of. Um, and this is something that I've really questioned and had a push and pull with doubts and with my relationship with God. So in 2018, um, and this was probably the lowest point in my life, I was extremely depressed. Um, I had my Achilles injury, so my season was done. And I was home in Toronto, and my mom was really, really sick. She had been diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder. She was hospitalized for a little bit of time that year. And it was just a scary time for me. And I remember my mom asked me to go shopping with her. She just wanted to go to the store and pick up some food. And she had just asked me to go with her. So I said, okay, you know, I want to spend as much time with my mom because every day I really feared for her life. And we were just talking about God and and she had told me, she said, you know, Kamika, when you were a baby, uh, God told me that one of my kids would be really good at sports. And she thought it was my brother because my brother was five years older than me. And he was like in baseball and soccer and all these different sports. And, you know, him and my sister, they, by the time they reached high school, they both were completely done with sports. And I was the only one. I was in gymnastics at the time. And they had thought that I would, you know, continue on from being a national gymnast to going on to being an Olympic, Olympian gymnast. Um, but I actually felt compelled to switch to track. And, you know, so when I did do that, she's like, I realized that that was you. And when she prayed for me and the Canadian team at the, like for 2016, God told her that it wasn't her, like it wasn't my time. So... For a long time, I've really, like, asked God and really tried to figure out, like, what does that mean? Like, what does really good at sports mean? And I don't like to put God in a box and tell him what to do because, you know, <laughs> that's not how God operates. But I think for me to make it to the podium at the Olympics would just make the whole journey worth it everything the heartache the pain the losses the injuries the the crying myself to sleep the doubt the sacrifices the times when you put so much hard work and you and you never saw anything come out from it the times where you know you kept pushing and there really was no bloom it would just make everything worth it and for me just to have that moment with God just being like wow God you did this for me, you know, you had this in your plan for me would mean so much to me. And I would want to be able to help and, and share my story and inspire that for me, it wasn't necessarily a physical battle. It was more of a spiritual battle and to feel like I've passed that test or I've gotten to that place and reached, you know, to the highest level of competition was able to stand on the podium would it would mean everything to me everything wow um i don't know about anybody else who's listening to this uh, or will listen to this but uh i 
felt emotion in that and started to get emotional just listening to that and kind of envisioning all of that. Uh, and it brought me back to a moment, uh, my 5K again, the, you know, my goal of breaking 20 minutes and I was trying and trying and trying and again, nothing to the level that your accomplishment would be. But that's what's great about goals is if you set a goal and you've worked hard, especially if you've had to work a long time at it, to finally achieve it, it's just, it's, it's incredible. And, and there really is no way to know what you're actually going to do or say or how you're going to feel. I remember when I crossed the line, I didn't feel anything at first. And then I sat down for a second and the tears just flowed. It was like, finally, it was like the weight was off my shoulder, uh, off my, off my shoulders. And uh, as each person came to me and congratulated me, it's just the tears flowed more and more. It was like, wow, this actually happened. Um, so just know, uh, your humbleness and your, your love for God is, is, is inspiring. Um, your faith. Uh, and I just, Pray that you'd continue to be a light for others in that aspect of your life um, as, as a person and as an athlete. Um, and I know he plays a role in this next question, but how do you stay humble after com- after competing at the highest level of track and still being fairly successful to this point? Um, I stay humble even after being an Olympian just because... I still have this burning fire. I still have this burning desire that I, that I haven't completed what I've all wanted to set out to do. And, um, there's always room for improvement. There's always room for improvement. That's like, you know, that's why Olympic medalists and world record holders keep going because you're always searching and you're always, there's always more that you can get. And, um, I really don't feel like I've accomplished all that I've that I would like to or and I don't feel like I've reached my max potential. So, for me, you're going to have humbling experiences, yes. Um and I think it's really important to stay humble just because, you know, at some point God is going to humble you. And I've definitely been humbled in this journey pursuing this crazy dream. Um and there's still athletes that I look up to that have done miraculous things that I want to be able to get to that point too. So for me, I understand that this is a gift. This is not a, like, this is a gift for me to be able to do. This is not a right. And I just want to be able to maximize the amount of time and um, resources that I get while doing this sport and pursuing this dream. So understanding that and always looking at others who didn't have the opportunity or you know don't have the opportunity or were forced to leave the sport or were forced in different like avenues of their journey I think of them and it keeps me humbled it keeps me humbled and again that's that's something that I really love to see uh in in all people not just athletes but especially athletes uh, and professional athletes because you guys whether you want to or not are put on a different pedestal than the rest of us and your your expectations are are a lot different and a lot higher Um, and to see the athletes that are successful be able to handle that and stay humble uh, is incredible 
you know, first one that pops off at the top of my head is always Tim Tebow. Um, it's just, it's athletes like you and like him are inspiring and encouraging to everyone at every level. Um, and also in, in just school and in, in your career to stay humble and know that we can always improve and always get better uh, and just to, to find ways to do so. Um, my last question would be, what advice would you give anyone with goals to make, uh, to make an Olympic team of any sport, not just track or field, to chase that Olympic dream? What, what advice would you give them as someone who's, who's been there? Um, and is still chasing it? Um, I would say that you have to understand that the journey is not always easy. And for me, I've always tried to live by these three Ps, which is purpose, progression, and perseverance. And I think it's really important to understand your why, and that's your purpose. Why do you want this? And you know, what can you gain? Like, what do you desire from this? Where is the passion going to come from? And I think when you discover your purpose and you figure out your why and your why outdoes um, the times when you don't see progression and you really need perseverance and you're struggling to persevere, you always want to be able to come back to your why because your why is going to be the, the key component to keeping you going. And, you know, is, is, and with progression, everybody wants to see progression and you have to understand that progression is very inconsistent. There's going to be times where you're not going to see progression at all. You're going to feel like you're moving backwards. And when that time happens, you have to persevere. And I feel like if you don't have those three qualities, it's going to be a very difficult journey. You're just going to pretty much, it's going to hinder your plan. And I think it's very important to make a plan and set goals for yourself and make little goals not just one big goal set little goals and as you reach those little goals make sure you celebrate make sure you celebrate it and really enjoy the process because this is all about being in the process um and I think if you try to adapt those three p's and you make a plan I think it will definitely give you the direction into trying to follow and stay on the goals that you've set for yourself. And the sky is limit. Like the sky is literally the limit. Like there's no limit. So I think you just need to keep the faith when times get tough. And no matter what, no matter who's not looking and, you know, who's not giving the attention and who doesn't believe in you, you have to do it. You have to, you have to believe in you and you have to trust God's timing. And I really like that because... Uh, again, relating to it in chasing the sub 25k goal, where there were little PRs along the way, I I didn't let the failure of still being in the 20s discourage me because I was making progress towards hitting 20 and then getting under it. Uh, and even right now, as I, you know, hope to one day run 100 miles in under 24 hours, um, I've made little bits of progress. Uh, each race and gotten a little bit faster and a little bit closer and I I was disappointed when my race in May got canceled because I felt like that was going to be a good chance to get really close to it Uh, but I'm just taking it one day at a time and just going to keep training and keep uh, focusing on the the progress I've made and and just keep uh, trying to get better 
so that when the next opportunity comes, I'm, I'm ready to go. I mean, again, I really appreciate you taking the time out to do this interview. And I want to leave uh, the mic to you. If there's anything else you'd like to add or say, um, the mic is all yours. Um, I'm really appreciative to, to do this. I really love when athletes can come back and be able to share their stories. I really feel like podcasts and things like this that Phil is doing is really good to actually give a different perspective than what people really think athletics is. And they think it's just like, oh, you just put hard work and then like that's it. And there's like so much more to it. You know, for me, like there's the faith component, there's the perseverance component, there's, you know, the I need to survive on this. This is my livelihood component. Like there are so much components. And, you know, I think when people really just kind of understand our stories, they realize that, you know, I'm just like you. I may be an, a, a, an Olympic sprinter, but I, I have I fall down just like you. I have to try to get I have to try to get back up just like you. I have to ask help just like you, you know. Um, <laughs> I have moments where I don't believe in myself just like you. And I think having moments like that is okay. And understanding that we all, in a sense, relate to each other, especially with our failures and our doubts and our, and our fears, like we're all human. And I think whatever you are chasing, whatever that dream is, whatever that goal is, just know that there are so many of us that are feeling the same way that you are feeling. And I love having these opportunities to share these and I'm hoping that if I can just touch one person, if I can just connect with one person or reach one person and, you know, for them to just be able to relate to me in any way, I that just, to be honest, that means the world to me. I feel like then my purpose here, I, I have done my job with this podcast. So I'm extremely thankful. And again, the feeling is mutual. Um very appreciative for you and, and every athlete that takes the time for someone like me that, you know, I'm not uh, trackandfieldnews.com. I'm not NBC, ESPN. I, I'm just a regular guy who does this uh, for fun as a hobby. I pay for the website, the podcast, all of that comes out of pocket. I don't get anything in return. So this is just my love for the sport and uh, I, I enjoy getting to showcase athletes like yourself that are humble and and are encouraging and uplifting to to everybody in all aspects of life. Um, so again, I, I thank you for this opportunity, and um, I'll, I'll leave your social media links in the notes for the podcast so people can follow you. Because I'm sure after listening to you, you're going to gain some fans from this. Um, for everybody who's been with me, whether it's again from the website days or the beginning of the podcast journey, um, I, I appreciate you all. Um, and I really hope, I hope this, uh, coronavirus thing is over pretty soon. Cause I, I know it's getting pretty, pretty stressful for all of us, uh, you know, mentally, financially, uh, physically, it's just it's it's unusual times for us right now. Um, all I can say is just you know find the faith, stay encouraged, whatever it takes, man. We gotta we gotta, as I say, 
this is a low and we got to grind the low because um, the days are going to come where we'll be able to ride those highs. So uh, I appreciate the support from the bottom of my heart. Shout out to all of you who continue to show the love. I, I can't say enough. Until next time, stay in the mile you're in because right now this one sucks. <laughs> I love you guys and I'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.